Welcome to Super Together. It's the podcast where a couples therapist and a life coach talk about how to be better at relationships. I'm James Cochran, and I'm the couples therapist, and our beloved life coach and co-host, Ginger Rothis, is out today. She has had a rough time recovering from COVID-19, which is this uh, virus that's going around. Uh, folks are getting sick from it, um, which is a jokey way of saying that it's the pandemic we all are familiar with. So uh, we're going to give her a little bit of time to recover, and with me today is our incredible producer, Melody Rowell, uh, and we're shaking things up a little bit. We don't have one specific topic. Instead, we solicited questions from our Facebook community, and some of these have a little bit of holiday flavor to them, and some of them are just a little bit more general, and I think that what we'll do, Melody, is you'll just fire off questions, um, and then you and I can see what we come up with uh, and just kind of chat back and forth uh, and see what we can give folks. Uh, before we get too far, Melody, how you doing? How's life? I, I see you in a closet right now. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm good. I've got the hashtag pod closet back up and running. Uh, my <laughs> mic stand is a tote full of journals from middle school and two shoe boxes. Ooh. Um, and my little desk is made out of two, um, like TV trays that were left in our house when we bought it. So nothing oh, but nice. the highest tech setup for super together. Sure. Well, you mentioned journals from middle school and that, that I bet there is dozens, there are dozens of episodes worth of content inside those journals. Oh my gosh. Um, so maybe there's we actually, crack those opens one day. <laughs> well, there's a whole separate podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it called Mortified, uh, in which people <laughs> in live shows actually volunteer to read from their middle school journals. And wow. it is, in fact, mortifying. And then they turn those live shows into a podcast. But um, cool. it's pretty funny. Well, uh, we'll save that for another day uh, to rip <laughs> off Mortified. Um, so we got um, half a dozen or so questions uh, when we uh, put the call out on Facebook. Thank you to our Facebook users who submitted questions um, or are eager to hear uh, kind of what we come up with as we answer these. Uh, do you want to just go ahead and fire off the first one? Yeah. So the first one we have is about setting up good boundaries for the holidays with our family members. So even with limiting family plans due to COVID, um, some people are still struggling to establish plans that feel fair to everyone, but also get in the family time they need. Yeah. So what's interesting, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit on our family traditions episode, is that under normal circumstances, I think we so often have this same tension um, where it's, okay, how much am I spending at this side of the family's house and how much am I spending at this side of the family's house? And not wanting to hurt anybody's feelings, making sure that we're not like ruining our holiday just so that we can accommodate other people's holidays. Um, and as with most things... Um, and there may be a theme here as we start to actually uh, answer some of these questions. Uh, my thoughts on this is that it really all boils down to kind of open and honest communication. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a conversation where you say, this is what we want out of the holidays. So you might say, you know, here is the family we feel safe connecting with and the conditions under which we feel safe connecting with them. And so from there, you start to say, okay, well, we want to make sure that we've got time to 
open our own Christmas presents or, uh, you know, spin the dreidel, just the three of us, or, you know, um, have feats of strengths around the Festivus <laughs> pole uh, without incorporating, you know, all these other other folks. So establish that first, I think, because it, mm. I think it is really easy in family settings to let that get away from you where it's just like your schedule becomes completely packed and there really isn't any time for yourself or for the sort of smaller units that we exist in. Um, so it's asking the question, okay, well, what do we want to preserve just for us? And then how do we go about letting uh, some of those other folks feel like they can be a part of this? Um, and I think the last thing that I'd say is giving yourself permission not to bend over backwards so that other people can be accommodated, mm -hmm. um, which may sound like a super selfish thing to say. But as I look at it, um, you know, you as an individual, you as a part of a small family nucleus, you are working toward your best life, what it looks like to make that happen. And there are going to be times in which the pursuit of your best self is going to feel like it is mutually exclusive to making sure that Nana and Granny and Peepaw and Popo and Poo Poo and all the different extended relatives are really going to be able to get enough, quote unquote, FaceTime uh, with, you know, and she mentioned the three of us. So I think it's, uh, you know, two parents and a small child. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so again, I feel like all of those people have this sense of like, oh, well, we're the grandparents. We're the aunts and uncles. We deserve some FaceTime with this kid. Mm -hmm. And what would it be like to say that nobody actually does deserve that? Um, mm -hmm. And certainly you want to be able to offer that, but not at the expense of compromising your own sort of, um, you know, the, the integrity of how you want to be spending your holidays. What are your thoughts on that, Melody? <sighs> Boundaries are just hard. And this is something my therapist and I talk about a lot because I can tend to be a people pleaser. And she tells me that, Boundaries are always kind, but I have, I am, I'm trying to buy into it, but I haven't bought into it yet. But I do believe that clarity is kind. And so mm -hmm. just giving people a clear answer about what you are and aren't going to do on the holidays rather than like, well, we'll see. I don't know. We haven't made up our mind, you know, rip the bandaid off and, sure. and make your decisions and um, know that you're also yeah. kind of giving your family peace of mind too once you do that. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at this question and the word fair is in there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, fair in the in when it comes to how we spend time with each other and the people that matter to us. I don't know if it exists in the ways that we might think it does, um, because it might always feel like, you know, to do what is most fair for person A you're somehow sacrificing for person B and then person C uh, may be better served and person D feels like they're getting, you know, the raw end of the deal. And through all of that, you know, you're sort of having a difficult time figuring out, well, what, what is it that I need, you know, mm -hmm. irrespective of a person's A, B, C, and D. One of the, I think, simplest examples that I give is that if you look at people, two of whom are sort of equally important in your life, and one person says, uh, I think you look better bald. And then the second person says, I think you look better with really long hair. You won't be able to please them both. Mm -hmm. You just won't. Like you will have to make a choice of it. Like, okay, well, what? A, and, and what I encourage folks, and this is really where authenticity 
flows from is to say, well, what do you want your hair to look like? Um, and then those other people, important though they may be, will have to find a way to feel okay about the sort of, you know, the realities that you establish with regard to your uh, hair length. You could do a whole episode on fairness in relationships, mm. so maybe table that sure. one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so question number two is, what is a holiday tradition that you are both looking forward to, and how are you changing any traditions to make them work this year? Well, do you want to answer that one first, or do you have anything that you're thinking about? <laughs> um, well, the first thing that came to mind... Um, my husband is from northeastern Arkansas, and every Christmas morning for his whole life, his grandma made biscuits and something called chocolate gravy. And we last year <laughs> went a couple. I was of... trying not to laugh because that maybe is a very important tradition, but chocolate gravy, uh, there's something about that sound. Let anyway, me tell you. So we went down to Arkansas last year, a few days after Christmas. And Grandma Jones still made biscuits and chocolate gravy. And I did not know what to expect, but it was insanely delicious. Like, I was really skeptical going into it, but it was so good. And so we're not doing any traveling this year. We're both really bummed about it. But Bobby is determined to call his grandma and get the secret chocolate gravy recipe. And that's that's pretty much all I'm looking forward to, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. No, and that I think is the two things that I hear from that are that you can sort of extricate some of these really meaningful things from a pre-COVID world and pull them into our COVID world in which we're a little bit more isolated, but we can still have uh, some of these experiences that really matter to us. Um, But then to a large degree, you're just not going to be able to do that. Right. Um, You know, my family had... um, a nine-party Zoom meeting, and I think there were actually like 15 or more people on this Zoom call, where we were trying to figure out, okay, like what could Christmas look like, you know, if, you know, if we went to this person's house and we were masked and we were outside doing a Christmas gift exchange, like, so we're, we're working through the logistics of it mm. and we're trying to, and to me, the thing that, in answer to the question that I'm most looking forward to is um, a... Christmas gift exchange. I grew up um, your typical um, suburban white boy who was just sort of showered with gifts um, <laughs> in ways that like, you know, just shaped the way that I experienced Christmas. I've, I've kind of loved Christmas my whole life. Um, when I got to college, it kind of coincided with some lean years uh, from my parents' perspective. Um, and also I had two brothers in the house who were much younger and were still, you know, very much in the throes of, you know, being showered with gifts for Christmas. (laughs) And so it kind of ushered in this era of, well, why don't, instead of like us adults all feeling like we've got to get each other a bunch of gifts, let's do just this secret Santa where it's, you know, you, you pick one person, you do these gifts, you, you know, you exchange them. Um, And we've been doing that now for 15 years or so. And it's, and it's just been, it's been a really fun part of how we do Christmas, um, you know, so that no one feels like, you know, my Christmas list isn't 15 people long. My Christmas mm-hmm. list is one person long. Um, and it, it means that I get to really focus and be intentional about how I want to do that. And so we're still doing that. I am will be interested to know how the actual Christmas exchange ends up playing out. I don't know that we've got all the answers to that. Um, we're trying to weigh all of that against, you know, how do we stay safe? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think um, Christmas, Festivus, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, any other... Um, 
ways in which you would look at a season like this and choose to honor it, um, they're filled with evocative experiences, things that um, pull out this emotion in us of togetherness and generosity and family. And um, and, I, and I'll go ahead and say that that's true for most people. That's Or let me even say it differently. That's true for some people, especially people of privilege, um, who have looked at seasons like this and have mostly experienced them positively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the question is, how do we continue to lean into some of those traditions. Um, and we actually did a podcast on this a couple of episodes ago that I think is probably could be helpful for folks. I think it's episode 48. Um, so if you want to um, take a dive into that one and see us unpack this topic a little bit more, uh, you can certainly do that. But um, to me, it's really just about isolating those things that are really meaningful to you and figuring out a way to extrapolate those into this current context. So for you, it is chocolate gravy, which we're all going to take on your word, is tasty. I know. Um, it sounds then... crazy. It sounds disgusting. But I promise you, it's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm envisioning, I'm envisioning like you know, chocolate fondue or some kind of like chocolate sauce. Right. That's what I was experiencing Um, too, but it's not, it's not as sweet as I thought it would be. mm, So it wasn't like dunking a biscuit in like Hershey syrup. It was different. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then for me, it's going to be some uh, experience of this Christmas gift exchange, um, which I'm, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. So the next question is a bit heavier. Um, how a, advice on handling family estrangement during the holidays, especially, but when other family members are using triangulation to get to you? And James, since you are a therapist, I'm assuming that triangulation is a word that you know and use. So maybe you can explain that first, and then dive into the question. <laughs> yeah, triangulation um, is to me, one of those terms that sort of entered mainstream consciousness, um, kind of like I statements or affirmations or or different types of things that um, sort of on their surface, we feel like we have an understanding of, we know what they look like. Um, But like most things that sort of get co-opted by pop psychology or sort of, you know, mainstream self-help universe, um, it kind of gets bastardized in in some ways. And so I always find it helpful to describe um, triangulation as any time when a direct relationship is being mediated by some third thing. Mm, Um, Now, sometimes that third thing is a person. Um, Sometimes that third thing is the weather. Um, so for example, if I'm sitting across from you and, uh, I feel like this relationship is too intense. Um, one of the things that I'll do is I'll say, okay, like, you know, Hey, how about those Yankees? Like, let's talk about anything other than the, the two of us. Let's, let's Mm -hmm. extrapolate this to this sort of third thing. And you can almost think of it like, you know, a bicycle is hard to stand up on its own, but if you have a tricycle, that's going to stand up on its own. So that's why we sort of gravitate toward um, a third thing to divert some of the um, imbalance that might exist in a dyad, um, which is a two-parted mm-hmm. thing. So most of the time, and I think probably what they mean in this context is um, – You've got um, mom and then you've got daughter Judy and you've got daughter Sally Um, and daughter Judy is in a fight with mom. So daughter Judy goes to Sally and says, you need to tell mom to stop Mm -hmm. doing X, Y or Z or something along those lines. Like and again, you know, multiply this times any number of different iterations and ways that this actually shows up. Um, Now, I think that. 
the most common remedy to triangulation is to name it as happening, just saying like, hey, mm. uh, you know, Judy, you need to talk to mom directly about this. I don't like I've got my own relationship with mom. You need to have your own relationship with mom. The three of us can have a relationship together, all three of us, but I'm not going to have a relationship with mom on your behalf um, is sort of how we can establish those boundaries. We can do that compassionately. We can do that kindly. Um, you know, so there's, um, I think, good ways to do that. One of the challenges that comes up is when we're talking about a safety issue or a power differential. Um, so, for example, if you don't feel safe to connect with another person directly um, because of how you've been treated, because of um, other types of boundary violations and those types of things, um, there may need to be some kind of mediating force. Um, in my experience, it is almost never helpful for family to serve as that mediating force mm -hmm. um, because it just sort of further complicates those relationships and you say, well, oh, well, you're on her side or you're on you're on his side. Um, and, and we have a hard time teasing out all the sort of undercurrent dynamics that are at play. What I usually say is if you are disconnected with somebody that you want to be connected with, ask yourself, what are the things that you need to be able to close that gap? What are the barriers that you need to overcome specifically? Um, so if there's somebody that is like, you know, um, really far removed from you for one reason or another. Ask yourself, is that because of some deep hurt that they've caused? Is that because there is a an outstanding issue that we just haven't paid the proper time and attention to? Um, to the degree that it's possible, connect with that person directly. Figure out the ways that you could do that and still feel safe. Um, you know, I'm biased because I'm a counselor, but family counseling could be a really valuable resource under those kinds of circumstances. Um, you know, and so... Um, I think that there's a lot of ways to approach that, um, but I think the first thing is saying that we have to acknowledge that the disconnection is happening, and then we have to pay attention to what are the sources of that disconnection, you know, to what degree is now the time when we resolve those things. Can I ask a question that's a little bit of a, maybe a redirection yeah. a bit? So what about when the estrangement is a choice that you've made to protect yourself, and mm -hmm. to you the estrangement is not necessarily a good thing, but a helpful thing? And this yeah. triangulation of other people coming in saying, you need to talk to Judy or Sally mm. or mom or whoever. Right, right. How do you handle that voice who you're not estranged from, but is trying to cross your boundaries? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the way that I often approach that or tell people to approach that is to tell them to f*** off. Um, <laughs> really what it amounts to is, it goes back to that kind of first question of you decide what your life is going to look like. Mm -hmm. You decide the parameters under which you feel like you can be safe and thrive and be the person that you want to be. And sometimes that means really clear, really firm boundaries with people who used to be really close to you um, because the things that they believe in, the things that they communicate, the ways that they treat you um, – don't allow you to be the person that you want to be. And your mm -hmm. recognition of that has, has brought you to a place where that, that boundary has to be enforced. Um, now, it, it, it makes me sad when sometimes um, there are sort of auxiliary family, auxiliary relationships that don't understand that. And so mm -hmm. are trying to, you know, push or pressure. It's like, oh, all you got is family. You know, you got you know, you to find the way to let these things go, that type of thing. Um, and that's all fine for them if they feel safe in those relationships. But 
part of what I want family like that to understand is like we these relationships are different for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that we um, just sort of stick to that, even if it's difficult, um, I think is how I would encourage most people to approach that. Yeah. Our next question. What to do when a friend ghosts you or mm. when a disagreement between a friend between friends is so strong that you or they don't want to be friends anymore, whether it's about COVID, mm. Black Lives Matter, politics, etc. Yeah. So, Melody, can you tell us what ghosting is? <laughs> ghosting. I think is... most people probably know what that is, but I'll just I feel like that's one that you probably know, so I'll just I'll throw it to you. <laughs> Do I seem like someone who ghosts someone? I'm sure I've done it at some point in my life. Um, <laughs> ghosting is when you just stop talking to somebody, whether it's you don't return their texts, you don't respond to the memes they send you on Instagram, but um, you basically just disappear into the void without any explanation. I think that last part is key. It's not like an intentional breaking off of a friendship, but it's like a slow fade. Right, right. Um, So what do we do when a friend ghosts you? Um, So I think... There are, again, some kind of what-ifs with this one because I think the question is, um, are they receptive to attempts to reconnect? Um, Or have you, like, said, hey, hello, where are you, like, over a period of several weeks and they're just still ignoring you? Because it's very possible that you really can't do much apart from grieve, which is a fair way to respond to a relationship that is no longer healthy, alive in the way that you wanted it to be. Um, Be sad that that relationship has changed in some meaningful way, um, maybe for reasons that you understand, maybe for reasons that you don't understand. Um, I think that it is fair um, to feel pretty bummed when that happens. Um, if they are being responsive, if when you say, hey, like, what's what's going on? And there's at least some attempt to reconnect, um, you know, call me crazy, but I am always in favor of people saying, hey, this is what it is like for me. Um, you know, I feel like, um, we haven't gotten the chance to meaningfully connect in a long time. Um, it makes me sad when, um, I send you something and then I don't hear from you for days and days and days. Um, and I think saying that, um, hopefully produces some kind of mature conversation about like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Like life's been really crazy. And sometimes it's easier not to respond than to find the energy to figure out what to say. Mm -hmm. Um, or it's like, you know, um, I saw some of the political posts you're making on Facebook and it just really felt to me like we were not on the same page. And so I just felt like I needed some space for you from you. I'm sorry that I didn't communicate that well. Mm -hmm. Um, now, both of those, I think, reflect very mature responses that you might not always get from mm-hmm. folks when you actually confront them about being ghosted. Um, but, I mean, it's it's either that or there is a um, part of what you're being forced to recognize, reckon with is that this relationship really has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not um, – it isn't the same relationship that um, you were um, – that you enjoyed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's okay. I, I like. I want people to feel permission to have those relationships change. As much as as sad as mm-hmm. it is, um, there's that. Um, uh, who who is the? I'm gonna I'm gonna spell his name, and you can tell me how to pronounce his name. Is okay. a philosopher. H e r i c l i t u s. I can't put this. Eric- li- 
Heraclitus? Heric- sure. Heraclitus? Heraclitus? <laughs> so he's, he's got, and this is gendered as a function of, of his time, but he said, um, no man steps into the same river twice because mm-hmm. it's not the same river and he's not the same man. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that you as an individual are going to change and grow. The context in which you live is going to change and grow. And the same thing is true for the people that are in your life. Um, and it's important just to recognize that that means that it's going to be harder and harder to be in a relationship with certain people if you're on divergent paths that kind of put you in that position. So um, none of that's particularly like helpful in terms of actual relational resolution apart from openness and honesty. Um, man, I just, I think so many um, conversations, so many relationally distressing things could be remedied if we all just do it. It's like, Hey, let's just like be super real about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and it, and it can sometimes catch people off guard cause we're used to being a little bit more, you know, subdued and cagey about the way that we connect on things. But, um, like I remember I once went to this guy who I worked with who I just felt like something was off, felt like, mm-hmm. you know, like we just weren't clicking. And I was just like, Hey, do we have, we, we got some beef here. <laughs> like, and I remember like saying it like that directly is like, is there like, am I, am I missing something here? And we ended up having like this really like meaningful conversation where we, we acknowledged the weirdness. We tried to get to the bottom of it, couldn't really find it. And then mm-hmm. just agreed. It's like, okay, well if we can't really like, maybe we were just making some subconscious assumptions that were sort of leading us to a place where we were at odds with each other, but we agree that we kind of want to be on the same page. Um, and bringing stuff like that out into the open is really the only thing that can facilitate that. If we had just sort of kept that at sort of just below surface level, um, it's possible that, you know, things would have just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then that I wouldn't have been able to be in productive relationship Mm -hmm. with that person. Um, so just being open and honest about like, Hey, um, I'm feeling, you know, and you know, I always try to teach people to not speak in terms of like accusation. Um, so in terms of like logistics here, don't say, Hey, it makes me mad when you ghost me. Um, (laughs) because now you've just accused them of ghosting you and they might be really defensive about that. And you're not necessarily talking about the same thing anymore. Mm -hmm. So if instead you say, Hey, like I made this attempt to connect with you and I felt sad, um, when I didn't hear back. Just as simple as that. You don't, because you don't know why you didn't hear back. You you don't have a clear and full understanding of that. And even if you think you do, there you don't live in that other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. So there's all these reasons why you may be wrong. And I think it's important to say that it's okay for friendships to end. Um, mm-hmm. It's okay for your feelings about somebody to change, especially when we are in the crucible of a year that we're in. When um, there are all of these opportunities for us to make our values known and when you find out Mm -hmm. that someone you've been friends with has different values than you it's okay to change your mind about being friends with them i'm not saying that it's okay for you to ghost them but (laughs) um it's okay to be super super clear sometimes it is okay for you to ghost them um Sometimes it is because if, if you're being abused by somebody, mm-hmm. if you're being treated really unkindly by somebody, I encourage you to ghost them. <laughs> you know, yeah. I encourage you to just like cut off contact because you do not owe them uh, the mature, you know, best case scenario response because that's not what the context demands. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just felt like that maybe was important. Yeah, that's good. So wrapping up some of these questions, because I think we're getting close to the end of time. Any other thoughts that any of this has made you think of in terms of, you know, how we relate to each other in general, how we navigate the holiday season or anything like that, Melody? 
I mean, the thing that has been clanging around in my head for the past few months is what Brene Brown writes about. Um, when most mm. people are doing the best that they can. And when you are questioning somebody's decisions or questioning your own decisions or your own productivity or whatever, you feel like you're doing the best you can. I I think I'm doing the best I can. And so um, trying to give your relationships that benefit of the doubt that this is just mm-hmm. a really, really hard time and we are just all, we're all trying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's Marcus Aurelius, um, second philosopher quote for this episode. <laughs> really? Um, and this, this won't, <laughs> this won't be a quote. This will just be more of like a paraphrase, but he, he says something along the lines of like, you know, today I'm going to move through the world and there's going to be people that are going to treat me poorly. Um, but they're all just doing their best, you know, trying to make their way through the world in a way, just like I'm trying to make my way through mm-hmm. the world. Um, and there are other people that are experience me as treating them poorly. Um, so yeah, having compassion uh, for other people and ourselves, um, I think is really key uh, to doing this well. So in September, I launched an online course called Converge, which is focused on helping couples become more closely connected. It's a four-part video series that I recorded here in my office, and I think it's a good entry point for folks that are wanting to get closer. But today, um, what I'm really excited about is to announce that right now, counselor, certified sex therapist, and friend of the podcast, Quinn Egeseeker-Mack, is launching a Converge course of her own focused on emotional and sexual intimacy. So if you've ever thought that you're not sure how to make intimacy thrive in your relationship or that it's hard to get things to click with your partner sexually, this course could be an incredible resource for you. Um, so you can sign up now at convergecourses.com slash emotional intimacy. And Super Together listeners can get 10% off by using the coupon code SUPER at checkout. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes, but again, it's uh, convergecourses.com slash intimacy, promo code SUPER. Doesn't that sound awesome, Melody? It does sound awesome. And it also, you know, makes this like a real live podcast when you get a coupon code. <laughs> That's right. That's We have entered a new tier of legitimacy yeah. uh, by offering a coupon code to our listeners. Super Together is produced by Ginger Rothis, Melody Rowell, and me, James Cochran. You can find links to our amazing Facebook community, our practice websites, and the rest of our social links at our home on the web, supertogether.org. If you want to submit a listener voicemail, give us a call at 913-428-9729. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to Super Together. It really does help new people get connected with us, uh, and we really appreciate it. We will be back next week. Until then, be well. well.